Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Welcome once again to the B&D podcast where artistry meets industry. I am Evan. This is Brandon. Uh, I am Brandon. This is Evan. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell the difference between our voices? It's like, nah, just a bunch of sounds like just a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, you're right. Yeah, I think you kind of sound white dudes. Yeah, you kind of sound Asian, to be honest. Yeah? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, I don't even know what that even means. I don't know. I don't I'm just throwing it. I want to see like... what you do. Okay. Um, keep you on your toes. So today's our, our not so serious thing. So we don't have, uh, any idea what we're talking about, but we'll talk about something and that talking will, uh, maybe lead to some, some cool little things. I think so. Yeah. Usually does. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see, man. Um, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, well for me right now, I I'd say, um, you know, uh, I, I, something that has kind of really hit me recently is, how much I love working with my clients, you know, helping them make their films and write their scripts. Like, um, you know, I was talking to my friend about it. He was asking me about the business and and all the stuff that I run. And I was like, yeah, man, like I love working with them because, and he's like, he's like, that's really awesome. He's like, what, who are your clients? And I'm like, well, you know, like I I have a, they, they vary, right? Like I have people in, in Europe and I have people in Canada and people in America. And like, you know, they range from, uh, you know, I got one guy, who's awesome. He's writing a script. He's like, you know, he's in his forties, got a family. He's writing his first feature. He's like a financial planner, advisor, whatever. Yeah. So he's not really affiliated with the arts, but, um, you know, he kind of got in touch with me because he, he, you know, just found me through what I'm doing. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I got this script idea and I, I want to do it. So I took him on as a client and it's really exciting too, because for him, I mean, he brings kind of this whole wealth of experience, you know, being at the age he's at, but at the same time, like art and figuring out how to write a script is all new to him. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's just really neat. I I have another client and she's like, you know, she's 21 years old and she's super passionate and excited and, you know, and, uh, she's, it's like all new to her, but you know, and so it's like a totally different kind of thing. But what's really been amazing is I see myself in everybody I work with. I kind of see, you know, where I was at or, or where I'm at and they actually kind of reflect me back. And I think, um, it's, it's been incredible because as I'm kind of teaching them, I'm kind of, I'm also kind of reconnecting with certain things in myself about my own kind of creativity. It's been amazing, man. I, I just, it's been kind of a dream come true. And the more that the more I do it and the more I'm working with people, like I really like the one-on-one working with people. Although like that's not always going to be feasible if I want to work with more people, but I really do enjoy it. And I also, um, I'm thinking of bringing back just doing one live class, you know, and I'll do it occasionally and just to, you know, I'll keep it small and only accept a certain amount of people into it. But, um, I really like getting in front of people and getting them to collaborate live. That's really cool to me. Yeah. Um, but most stuff's online, most stuff's kind of group and, and whatever online, but the one-on-one stuff and the in-class stuff's extremely, extremely cool. Yeah. You know, you get to know people on a personal level, you get to, you know, and it's also neat when they can kind of talk and, 
I think what, what's really interesting is I've heard a lot of my clients say like, it's really interesting to hear like someone else having the same struggle I have. Cause I think a lot of the time people feel alone, right? They don't, yeah, yeah. they don't realize that what they're going through is actually totally natural and it's, it's part of the whole process. So yeah. Yeah. And it's given me a certain kind of patience too, because I'm realizing that myself, there's things that I'm going through at this stage in my career. And it reminds me, oh yeah, this is a part of the process. What I'm going through right now might be not what most people are going through, but it's, it's a part of naturally a part of the process of kind of finding your way. And so, um, that's been really cool. That's been one of the most, um, exciting things about these, these last, you know, these last few weeks is just more and more clients keep kind of signing up right now. And, um, I guess it's September end of summer, you know, everybody wants to work, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's one of those times, but it's, it feels like, you know, it kind of feels like a changing of seasons too, for me, you know, because all summer I was kind of, I was, I was working with people, but I was doing a lot of my own artistic stuff. Right. Yeah. And I still am. I'm, I'm probably doing more than I, than I was, but now the focus, it, I'm not putting it so much on myself and what I'm doing. I'm putting it more on other people and what they're doing. And there's something nice about working with other people because I'm finding that it gets me a little bit away from like focusing too much on what I'm up to, you know, because I think there's, there's something extremely rewarding about helping another person. Yeah. Even if you're not like, I mean, you know, I, and and I mean, I, I went and helped some people the other day, you know, to build their website or whatever, um, for free, just because I was like, I'll help them out. And that's rewarding too, you know? And, And, um, they were like, wow, you could get paid to do this. I was like, yeah, you know, I could, but you know, it's not always about that. Sometimes it's just about, you know, I want to help people, Yeah. you know, cause it's rewarding for me. Yeah. Right? And because there's certain things that it's like, yeah, it's good in a small dose, you know, like help somebody out on like a day, but like yeah. turning, making a career out of it is a completely different story. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is, you know, I'm also realizing that, um, you know, as you go down this process, actually a friend told me once, he said, what makes a good actor is, partly, you know, having a certain kind of self-love, self-confidence, whatever, a certain amount of skill and ability to, you know, to act or whatever, but is to be able to like, um, build skills in many different areas. And he was someone who was always building a skill in some, in some area. Like he'd always be working on something. It was not necessarily related directly to film, but like, you know, if he had a film, he'd be spinning, like he'd be spinning the pistol and he'd learn how to do all these pistol tricks because he's like, I just want to learn how to do it. It's not going to be required in the film, but I'll learn how to do it. Maybe it'll, you know, whatever. And so he'd be building skills all the time, just doing these little things. And the thing I liked about his process was he always seemed engaged in what he was doing because he wasn't just working on acting. He was working on things that enhanced him and his acting, but it wasn't like, necessarily like doing it just because, uh, you know, cause I think that you can get caught up with acting or any of these crafts where you're like, I'm just going to act, I'm in acting school, but it's yeah. like, that's not what it's about necessarily. Like I think sometimes you're building skills outside of that. Yeah. That are very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and the thing is like, especially with, you know, in acting, it's like, Oh, you know, it's great that to have a lot of different skills, you know, that can be used. It, it can, as far as the industry goes, like it, it can't, it can make you more hireable, you know, right. it's just like, Oh, they can do this. All right. Well then, you know, you get maybe brought into the room. You, you, you are given sort of an opportunity that somebody who doesn't have a particular skill might not get. 
the thing is there's like an infinite number of skills that you could learn. And so it's like, well, what, so what do you, what do you train yourself to do? Mm -hmm. You know, like what, like, how do you go about, I don't know, have like acquiring skills. And to me, it's like, I think you want to just like with all the other things we talk about on this show, it's like, you want to go about these things in a, in an authentic way, Mm. you know, like you learn skills that you want to learn, you know, you learn things that actually interest you. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, well, I'm doing this because, you know, my teacher told me I should, or because, you know, uh, lots of other people are learning this right now. So I'm going to go and learn it too. It's like, well, that, like that's not, it's not a very good reason. I mean, you're certainly not going to build a very good mastery of something when you're approaching it from that angle. Well, you never know what, how things are going to pay off either. I mean, you can kind of have an idea, but, uh, you know, I think, Oh, well, we went super blurry on that, uh, video there. Yeah. <laughs> We're live streaming this for our, our listeners. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, you know, so I think the thing is, is that, um, with, you know, with all this stuff, sometimes you learn different skills so that you can, you can really, um, just kind of expand yourself. And through that along your journey, you're going to discover that some of these things end up paying off, right? Like I studied a a lot of psychology and stuff like that in school. I studied sociology. I studied criminology. I studied uh, history, you know, and so all of those things, have in many ways come back to help me with film in so many ways, you know, studying philosophy was huge. I mean, you know, all of that stuff. And the thing is, is I think there's a lot of things that are unrelated or seemingly unrelated in the beginning, but at the end of the day, what I found out about art is nothing is unrelated to art. Everything is related. So if you're interested in like, I was interested in remote control cars for a while, that in some ways has related back to, you know, art and it's, you know, you can piece it together. Video games have related back to it. I mean, the big show that I made was largely based on the fact that I was playing these video games. One in particular, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Mm -hmm. I was playing that game and I thought, man, wouldn't it be so cool to make a movie out of this? But, you know, not just like, a movie, like at first I started to not like, like a fan fiction or anything, exactly. but, but like, that's how it started. It was like, yeah. I'm going to do a fan fiction of this just right. for fun, you know, something. Yeah. And then I was like, well, that's kind of cool. But what could I like, what if I made something kind of in this genre, but like my own, but I decided to film it like a video game. So I wanted to film it with that feel, but have it be about a different story. Yeah. And the thing about video games is, I mean, if you're playing a third person video game, you kind of follow behind that character. So I wanted to do a lot of shots where you're following someone through. And it's, it's a really neat feeling because when you're following someone through and they've done it many times in movies, but if it kind of becomes your thing, it can kind of be a really cool style. Yeah. So you just don't know where this stuff's going to come right. And into play. And I think like things like video games now seem so obvious. Like people are like, Oh yeah, video games, movies, like, you know, those are related. Right. Yeah. But you know, when, when, when you're say, when video games were more archaic, they were like more simple, you might not necessarily see the relationship to it, but you know, there's all sorts of things, you know, there's problem solving and whatever. I, I'm, I'm just saying that whatever you're interested in, you know, do it. Um, and, and trust that it's going to pay off somewhere. Like right now, like, um, you know, I keep getting plants in my place. Like, you know, I keep adding another one and another one and pretty soon my place is going to be a lot of plants as I kind of, you know, and I've been learning more about botany. I've been learning more about plants and how, and how to take care of them and making sure they don't get too much sun and enough water and not too much water and stuff. Cause, uh, you know, in my, 
I'm, I'm, it's pretty new to me. So sometimes I've given plants too much water and they start to drown. I didn't realize yeah. that could happen. I actually put, you know, it was 33 degrees the other day here. Yeah. I put my, some plants in, directly in the sun cause they're tropical. I'm like, Oh, they'll love the sun. Turns out that they can actually get sunburnt and my plants yeah. got sunburnt. And I was like, and like the leaves like literally look like they're burning off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was like, oh wow. Okay. So I took it away. It'll still heal. But you know, you starting to realize, okay, well, how do I, you know, how do I work with this thing? And that's, you know, that's related to a lot of stuff, right? Because when you're, when you say working on a film set, you go, well, how does that relate to film? Well, imagine every person on your film set is kind of like a plant that you have in your house. Mm. And certain people can handle certain things and other people can't handle other things and they like it this way and other people like it that way or don't like it this way. And as you get to know people more, you'll begin to be able to work with them better. And uh, I'm reading a book right now called Strengths Finder. It's great. Like I've only read a bit of it, but it's another really great gem that I found. And this guy's argument is really awesome where he talks about the American dream, like we've been sold that, you know, it's the underdog. You should work on things that are not really, you're not really good at and like, and then overcome it, you know, so you can be great. And he's like, that's nonsense. He's like, everybody who's really successful actually had a predisposition or an ability or an interest in something. And they flourished because of that. And he talks about Rudy, you know, Rudy was the guy who um, played for Notre Dame for one play and tackled the quarterback. Right. But he trained for, he, he took two years to get onto Notre Dame and then two years of training and taking a beating to play for literally five minutes of a, a few minutes of a football game. Yeah. And we call this, this heroic story. But if you think about it, like really, um, that's really great. And like, everybody loves that. But what's really a, a, a great story is more like the person who, you know, went out and actually succeeded and flourished at this thing because that was where they were really good. Right. Yeah. Cause this kid was, you know, 163 pounds, like five, seven or something. Like he wasn't built for football. So trying to force that, like, that's like forcing a square block into a circle hole. It just doesn't yeah. work. And so, you know, um, the thing is, is what's interesting is he talks about how, uh, when we don't work with people, like as individuals, sometimes we try to push people into have strengths that they just don't have. Right. And so, you know, so funny enough, you take plants and you think, well, how are plants related to that? But plants are exactly that, you know, some plants, like I have one plant, it likes the dark. I have another plant. It likes the light. Some plants I have, they like direct sunlight. Some plants want a ton of water and some don't want water for weeks. Yeah. And so you start to build a little bit of a relationship with these plants, start to see how they respond. And then when they start flourishing and growing, it's really rewarding. Mm -hmm. You know, like I look over this one plant over here, just across the room. I mean, that's literally triple, like it's tripling in size already. And I had it for like a month Yeah. because you know, I'm taking care of it. And you can see on the leaves there, it kind of burnt because I left it in the sun. <laughs> I don't know. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm learning, figuring it out. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's about follow those interests. Yeah. I mean, you know, also like think about how we set up the podcast today. We've changed the, we've changed the look. Yeah. You know, we, we, we use some new gear. Well, you knew about how to use this gear cause you're, you've been playing music. Now the music ties into the podcast, ties into everything. Everything ties in. Oh yeah. Everything. Nothing's, nothing is, is ever wasted. Yeah. You know, that's like, um, a big thing, you know, like, uh, this is me getting into like actor heavy conversation, but I'm sure that other artists can, can find a way to relate to it. But it was, you know, there were all of these ideas I had about, you know, making a part mine, you know, it's like, that. this was like a thing that like I, 
early in, in my training was like, it's like, Oh yeah, this is how you make a part yours. You, you know, you, you, it was kind of this very deliberate act of, um, kind of trying to shoehorn or yeah, like, like shove your life into and on top of the part that you were playing and the story that you were playing. She's like, well, like, let's draw an experience for that you actually had in your life. Let's, you know, and I always had a very difficult time with it, with, with that sort of approach. It, it never got me the results that I wanted. And I don't mean that in terms of results, like feedback from, you know, from my peers or for, from my, um, superiors, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but just for, for my own sense of like, well, what, what just happened? Like, how do I feel about the work that I just did? And for me, it was just this really kind of backwards approach for me in, in terms of doing it. And I ultimately realized just like, no, you don't actually need to do all of, you don't need to do this in order to make a part yours. If you want to make a part yours, the really that involves you trusting yourself. Hmm. That's the biggest thing for me. It's like, it involves you trust yourself and trust that it's like you have a unique experience of life because you do have a unique experience of life. No one has ever lived a life quite like the one that you've had. Maybe some, like some stories that are very similar, but we are made up like our, who we are or our personalities, what have you are made up of every single moment of every single experience that we have ever had, every relationship, every person we've ever come into contact with ever, like all of that leading up to right now at every single moment right now, you're being, you have been shaped by it. Hmm. You've been in shape by all those experiences. So you're never, ever going to see something exactly the same way as somebody else does. So you don't really need to worry about how you're going to make a part yours. Your biggest job is just to trust what's coming up for you right? when you're approaching your work. It's like, so you're doing this part or you're taking on this song or whatever. It's like, you know, just to try and to extend this into another realm, like with music, you know, you're, you're taking on a song and yeah, you know what, maybe you're writing a love song, right? We've, yeah, we've seen that, you know, we've heard how many thousands of and millions of love songs probably right. over the course of human history. Um, but we're still making love songs and it's like, all right, great. Well, what's your love song? How do you want to express a love song? What is love to you? What are, you know, like this is the, these are the demands that art make of you. Right. This is like, they're, they're not technical ones, you know, art, like, yes, tech technique is, um, an assistant, Hmm. but art never really makes technical demands of you. Right. You know, like it's not that it's not an important part, but it's not the primary sort of thing that's looking for. It's really about that, that honesty, that authenticity. It's like, and then your ability to express it. Right. Sometimes that's more so where the technique comes in. Right. It's like, what is your ability to express it? Right technically, how, how are you able to, um, do you, do you know how to find the chords or, you know, find the notes? Like, how do you, are you able to, to do that? How sort of quickly and efficiently, Hmm. I guess, in a sense, are you able to, to find these things? Right. 
Um, but at its core is still, it's like, well, you still need to have that connection to, to your truth. And, and you still need to have that sense of, of trust and faith in who you are to actually bring something artful to life. I think, which brings us back to our original point, which is that, you know, go and investigate what you're interested in because that's you. And the more you investigate what you're interested in, the more you're going to actually, um, excavate kind of who you are in the world. Because I think sometimes people, and I'm, I'm sure I've done this myself, but I think what happens is people suppress what they're actually interested in because they go, well, what's the point? Like, like, how is that going to help me? You know, like, you know, but the thing is, is, or they don't really see that this is important. This thing interests you go do it. You know, like, um, you know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I was fascinated with paintball. It's fascinating. I loved it. And I, I loved going to the field and playing. And I loved, I would read blogs and articles and stuff on how to, you know, how to sneak around the defense and get behind everybody. And, you know, how to basically like, you know, what you could do. Just, I started learning like more military tactics, stuff like that. I was just interested in it. Well, so I became an exceptional paintball player because, you know, I had skills that, you know, the average person didn't have because I was educating myself and applying it in the games. And then later, like I went and made that show, you know, soldiers of the apocalypse, right? Yeah. Well, soldiers of the apocalypse. A lot of that was able to be made because I know what it's like to be on the paintball field and having like, you know, gunfire, like essentially thrown at you. And these yeah. paintballs hurt and you don't want to get hit in the game because you're technically dead if you get hit. Yeah. And so, you know, so, I kind of understand what it's like to say, hide behind a bunker and, and, and have a bunch of shots. Like not necessarily like, I don't know what it's like to be in war, but it's a great simulation simulation. Right. And so, you know, the thing is, is that my interest in paintball led me later to make one of the important shows that I've made in my career. And so I think that, you know, we, sometimes should go and pursue what we're interested in. Even if we think it's taking us away from what we think we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like right now I'm very, very, and I've said this on on the last several podcasts, I'm very interested in entrepreneurialism and business. So I'm like going and I'm investigating that I'm doing it. I'm like loving it. And the thing is, is that I'm already beginning to see how this interest is actually helping me as a filmmaker and helping me in all sorts of other things. But right now I'm more interested in entrepreneurial pursuits and building business than I am in even making film. And that's weird for me because I'm like, well, what if this fear comes up? What if I I drop film and I give up on it and I like, you know, like, okay, just relax. You know what I mean? Like, just go do this thing you're interested in. And if you find out you're more interested in this than you are in that, then go do it. Like, who cares? But the thing is, is like, there's this real fear that came up for me to let go of film for a little bit to try and really pursue business. Yeah. Right. But business is film, film business. You know what I mean? So it's funny, right? (laughs) I'm going to do my classic thing here. I'm going to give a quote with like, I can't remember who said it. I I, I don't think I'm going to misquote this one actually, because I think I I remember this one, but I don't remember who said it. Okay. Um, they said, uh, people think it's holding that being fuck (laughs) (laughs) people think that, um, um, that holding on makes one strong, but sometimes it means letting go. Hmm. And I find that more often than not, that's usually the case. Actually, it usually takes strength to let something go. 
You know, you know like, what? It's so true, man. I actually had a couple friends over and, um, you know, I went over to their place first and then they came over to my place. And when I was over at their place, when I looked at it, their place was kind of messy. It was kind of cluttered. And my place used to be messy and cluttered. It still is in some ways, but for the most part, it's pretty organized now. And I figured out how to make my space. Like I've really figured out how to make space. Yeah. And I, you know, um, when I went over there, I was like, wow, you guys have a lot more space than me. You can make this into something really cool. And my friend's like, okay, cool. Maybe afterwards we'll come over. Well, they ended up coming over and they looked and they saw what I could do at the place. And they were like, whoa, like we could learn some things. And I was like, you know, it's interesting because, um, I had to learn how to do this. Like I couldn't. And the reason why I was so cluttered is I couldn't let go of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, for example, I had like five or six fedora hats or whatever. Right. And I used to yeah. wear fedora hats and I liked them, but I don't wear them anymore. I just don't, they're just yeah. not my style. You're, and yeah, your fedora days are behind you. <laughs> they're done now. Right. But they were perfectly good hats. And some of them probably only wore a few times, you know, and I was like, okay, well they're taking up space. I need, I need to give these away. So I, you know, I gave them away and and the moment that I put them down, like in the lobby where people can kind of accept they were taken immediately, right? Because they're nice hats. And I was thinking about that the other day after my friends came over, I was like, yeah, you know, it takes something to let go of something you own, you know? And like, and the thing is, is that it feels like you've lost it, but it's not really lost. What it's done is it's given you something. What I traded for the hats was I traded space and freedom you know what I mean? Yeah. But you feel like all you are is losing. So when, when I put film to the side for a moment, I'm not losing film. I'm just creating space for something else right now. And yeah, I can always buy new fedora hats if I want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't like, I don't need to hang on to stuff for the fear that I will never be able to get it again. It's not like it's yeah. that rare, but at the time when you have it, it's like, Oh, it's perfectly good. And I don't want to let it go. And you know, it's all this story that comes with it. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's entirely entirely meaningless. Yeah. For the most part. And yeah, it's like, it's, it's a funny thing that we do to ourselves that like, even when we have an interest in going in, in another direction, um, yeah, we'll still just say like, Oh, but then I'd be giving this up or it's like, well, for one, you're not necessarily giving it up. Like nothing is ever, nothing is ever permanent. Very few things are are permanent in this life. So it's like, you can always come back to it if it doesn't, doesn't work out. And, and what's the point unless you're pursuing thi- unless you're not pursuing things that interest you, mm-hmm. you know, like that's why we usually get into art. But if that's not what's your interest anymore, then, then hang it up. Yeah. There's no, there's no shame in that. You know, like there's, that just becomes uh, a part of your experience that's going to help shape you in some other way. Just like if you, are in art and you go in, in, in another direction, whatever happens there is going to shape you in a way, you know, like it's, you'll come back to your art in with a new sense of perspective on, I I can't even guess what it is, you know, but it could be any number of things, but you know, like a new life experience that gives you a new understanding of, of, of people in a different way or how the world works, you know, or like, you know, there's all these things that we, that we take in from these experiences that we don't necessarily value. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's, it's a little bit intangible, I suppose. Right. Right. They're usually things that you will only figure out kind of upon reflection on it. Right. Like, because for the most part, we're just, you know, we're just going about our lives and we're having experiences and, and a lot of times we're operating just kind of on autopilot, which is, you know, why I think it's also really, 
really important for for artists to to really get into sort of certain elements of philosophy um and and i don't know sort of almost meditation things like that i think it's really really a crucial part of of what you do as an artist because being present to your life being um aware and conscious of your experiences and how you feel about things you know like it's you've as artists i think you've got to be really open vessels as much as you're able to do so mm. and to continue to push to become more and more and more open and open and open so that you're able to to be greater um sort of conduits of expression for not just for yourself but but as an expression for for the world and for your community where you're from like i i whatever the thing is that you do mm-hmm you can become a better expression for others as well. Right. Right. You know, there's a, there's, there's a saying, it's, I think it's either you're greening and you're growing or you're browning and you're dying. Like <laughs> you're, you're, it's one of the, it's one of the two, right? Yeah. You're either growing or you're dying. Like you're, it's one or the other. And, um, you know, and the thing is, is that growth comes from change and change is an important part of growth and, and change and growth are painful too at times. And so, you know, people who are living and growing are, are basically, they have a certain amount of pain tolerance where they're willing to experience a certain kind of pain to keep growing. I mean, we all, we all are growing, but some of us try to, and I think the the society and media is constantly telling us to try and be comfortable and to feel good all the time and be happy and all this stuff. And the thing is, is that we can't, it's a temporary pursuit and you can be happy and comfortable momentarily until you're not. And then it gets uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes I think what people do is they satiate themselves more so they can stay in that comfort. And then they get in these uncomfortable comfort zones, but you get so uncomfortable, but not uncomfortable enough to change. And then you're stuck and you're now in a rut. Right. And so, um, change I think is an, a real important part of the whole process and change means, doing something different. And so, yeah. you know, sometimes I think if you're in an acting class, like, like here, I'll just, someone who's in a class, do your acting class, set a timeline. I'll be in this class for three months, six months, a year. And once it's done, I don't care where it's at. I don't care what's happening. I'm going, I'm finding a new acting class and just go find it. And don't, you know, if your teacher doesn't like it, fuck him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's for you. You got to go change. You got to grow. You got to move you know, um, you know, you, you, you know, your place, you, you know, maybe you move places or maybe you change your place around, you know, like for a period of time there, uh, you know, it was kind of like moving. I was thinking moving or whatever. I was like, okay, well, moving's not really an option for me right now, but I can change my place around. I did it. The change was good. Change yeah. made everything right. And so put film aside, try business, do this, you know, uh, you're, you're interested in whatever you're interested go travel. Yeah. It's Meet really someone about, new, right? You know, it's really about being, being a f- like a, f- being a full human being. Yeah. You know, like I, I think artists like to really sometimes sequester themselves and become, I don't know, like uh, bizarre, like in, in a weird way I, I've seen, especially like, I guess more so around actors, but like you watch artists become weird sort of shells of people mm-hmm. because you know, they, they don't really have a life outside of their art. And then you go, well, what the hell even 
fuels what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're not all just this one thing all the time, you know, we're, we're multifaceted beings with lots of different interests. And it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily work on like you, you do your work a lot. If that's what you're passionate about and that's what you're doing, that's awesome. But you can't just be doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's burnout that comes from that. We're not really wired to be like that. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, you make your world black and white when you keep it the same. I mean, basically, you know, when you change, you, you add color into the dynamic of your life. I mean, you add new shades, you add new, um, inflections. Right. And so the thing is, is that, you know, you might say like when you're a little kid, you go to a little kid, what's your favorite color? The little kid goes red. I love red. Right. Well now you go red, red is always your favorite color. Red, red, red all your life. And now the problem is, is you're so focused on red that there's this whole other spectrum and you don't like it quite as much as you like red, but you're not willing to let go of red for a little bit to go try some new things. And the problem is, is like, if you let go of red, you might actually find out red's not your favorite color. Now here's the problem. (laughs) My whole life I've been telling everybody I'm red, red's my favorite color. But now all of a sudden I realize like it's, it's green or it's blue or it's this orangey thing or whatever. And the thing is, is that's much like what change is like for us, right? Because we've identified with things. I always try to tell people, you know, don't label yourself. Don't call yourself an actor. You act, you know, don't even call yourself an artist. Like you do art. You know what I mean? Because you're not your art. You're not, your art is you. It is an expression of you. You can't not be you. It only was created because of you. And if it's not your art, it's someone else's and you're just a part of their art. So, um, you know, you're not an artist either if it's just part of someone else's art, because you're not an artist. So you're not, you know, and, and you're not an actor either because really you're just a technician for someone else's acting. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that I don't think we should ever label ourselves and we should never allow anybody to label us. We should never at least take that on. And we should always be evolving and changing and being like, well, you know, because at one point when I was a kid, I wanted to be a police officer. At another point, I wanted to be an architect. And then I wanted to be an athlete. And then, you know, a a hockey player, soccer player. And now, you know, then an actor, then a screenwriter, then a filmmaker, you know, all this stuff, right? There's the thing is, is that, yeah, I did all that stuff and I can always go back and do all that stuff. But the thing is, is what do I want? What do I want to be putting my interest right now? And I think that the thing is, is, the beautiful thing about change is that I think what will end up happening, and I've seen this in my own life already, but you'll start to see that whatever you go and do, you'll somehow kind of come back around to where it all began anyway. Like, it's not like, uh, like it's not like, um, things, I don't think things are gone and lost quite the way we experience them. You know, I think that's a, that's a manipulation of our psyche where people, you know, are kind of taught to fear loss. And that's why I think we have, you know, we have all these people in society who are like hoarders and they're, you know, and people who are depressed and stuff like that, because we're constantly taught that there's this loss all the time and that we should be scared and, and afraid. Yeah. And like, what if you weren't afraid? Like, just ask yourself that, like, I'm, I'm saying this to our audience, if, what if you weren't afraid, what would you do? Like, what are you not doing right now? Cause you're afraid. What are you not letting go of right now? Cause you're afraid, right? What, what might you be willing to, if you weren't yeah. afraid, if you knew it would all be okay, what might you go dare to do? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question, right? That's you. That's the real you. Yeah. The fear is what media and society and governments and, and corporations and all of this shit is put on you. Teachers, parents, everybody has projected their fear onto you because they were scared 
And, and the thing is, is now when you go, they might not even like it, but don't do it for them. Do it for you because it's about you, right? You got to find your life. And, and the thing is, is I think, um, you know, I think what we're talking a lot about, well, what's coming to light for me in this conversation is the long and the short of it is all coming down to change and being willing to let go. Like, Mm. these are the things that are really, um, these are the things that are so important because if we're willing to change and we're willing to let go and not be scared, we'll go and pursue our interests. And we'll let go of things that we've been hanging on to for a long time and trust that if they need to come back, when they come back, they'll come back again, but they may come back different. They may be something else entirely, but if they're meant to be, you know, they'll come back. And and it's kind of like that, you know, true love thing. You got to let the butterfly go and the butterfly comes back, lands on your shoulder. You know, it was meant to be, but you have to have that faith and it might not, but that's okay. If it doesn't, you know, there'll be another butterfly for you somewhere down the road. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like, um, they say that there's, you, you make, de- you make decisions either out of, out of love or fear. Hmm. I agree with that. You know, and it's, yeah, I, I would be mostly inclined to agree with that as well. And so, and it's, I think it's a kind of a very profound thing because when you actually, when you have the awareness to like, oh, like in a moment where you're trying to make a decision on something, it's like, well, hold on. Like, what am I making this decision based out of? Right. Mm -hmm. What's the decision? Like, am I doing this out of love or am I doing this out of fear? And it can really help you get clarity on it. And if you're making the decision out of fear, you know, it can help you to try and gain a little bit more perspective on what's happening. It's like, why are you making this decision out of fear? Or is the fear real? And is that the prefer? And then the, the next follow-up question to that is like, well, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be somebody who's making these choices and, and these changes based out of, out of fear? Because there is a price to pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know, like fear, like fear is, um, is an energy in our, our world that perpetuates more of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that love is the same, the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, the more you start. And I think that's part, again, I associate these things of like truth and authenticity. I associate those things with, with love. Yeah. It's like, that's when you're doing something out of love, you know? And when you're not doing like when you're being, uh, inauthentic, un- yeah. Unauthentic, false. disingenuine, false, um, fear, fear. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, think about it. If you have self love, of course you're going to be authentic. If you have self hate, of course you're not going to be right. Yeah. And what is hate and fear are very, very closely tied together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the thing is, is like, you know, how many people are working jobs right now and scared to leave their job? Cause well, what will I do? What will I do? Then you know what? The thing is, is that, okay. You know, I think the thing is, is if you're, if you're still at a place in your life where you're like alone, you don't have any dependents on you. You don't have children and stuff like that. Well, you have the ultimate freedom because you can just say, you know what? I'm going in tomorrow. I'm putting down my two week notice. I'm done. And I'm going to figure it out. I don't even know what I'm doing next, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. And the thing is, is here's the thing. It might be painful, but don't get all worked up about it. Just make the decision. And the thing is, here's another thing. I just want to say one other thing. People are not in the habit of making decisions once we actually make decisions many times. And I'm not saying it's a good thing, but like someone might pursue acting out of love, but then stay in acting out of fear. 
because now they're like, well, if I leave, my parents are going to be like, I told you so. So Mm -hmm. I can't leave acting. Yeah. That's now you're not doing acting out of love anymore. Now you're doing it out of fear. It started good. Yeah. It started out of a great place, but then it came. Now it's not, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So either reconnect to the love of acting, but if you're not loving acting, go do something else. And you know what? Who gives a shit what your parents say? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'll figure it out. It's your life. You know what I mean? And if they want to tell you, they told you so. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Cause acting got me here, which helped me to make the decision I'm making now to go do the thing I'm doing now. Like yeah. if anybody ever told me who said that I, you know, my acting career or whatever, wasn't going to work out. And they said, I told you so. No, I don't give a shit that you told me that you knew nothing. Cause I went and I did it. And that's what got me here. And I'm working with incredible people around the whole fucking world and teaching them how to make movies and write scripts yeah. because I pursued acting. And I'll tell you, by the way, I get paid three to $10,000 right now for a client. And you know what? It's incredible. And the thing is, is here's the thing. They're, they're making stuff. I've had an actress who came in and she made her first film and she won over 40 awards doing my course because I went and pursued acting. So do not tell me that you told me so because acting got me here. Now, if I never act another day in my life, I don't give a shit. I loved it. I loved being in class. I met you through acting. This podcast exists because of acting. Yeah. So the point is, is that whoever is out there, I don't care if you're painting, you're drawing, you're doing music, do the shit out of it. Cause it's leading you somewhere. And you know what? You might have this thought. I'll never be a musician. I'll never be famous. Who gives a shit? That's going to lead you to wherever you need to be. But when you get there, be willing to let go. It's okay. Yeah. But music is beautiful. Acting's beautiful. Writing's beautiful. It's like you may come back to it, but don't be scared to let it go. Cause it's part of your journey. It's getting you to where you need to go. And that's like a big lesson that I've had to kind of learn and accept. And it's, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. Cause I identified myself so young, like I d- identified myself as an actor and, you know, with my dad and I, like he, he was so like against it and I fought so hard to do it. That there's a part of me is like, I can't be wrong. Like I can't like, I, you know, and, and that was not a good reason to stay into acting. Mm-hmm. And I was like going to these auditions and I wasn't loving it anymore. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I still really like acting, but it's, it's a different relationship now. And you know, right now uh, focusing on acting isn't my number one interest. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, it, it, it's all fine. The thing is, is I'm learning to kind of like move on and go through this journey. And now I'm pursuing business, which if you would have asked me at say 21, I didn't want to do business. Business would have been, if someone said like learn business at 21, I would have been like, forget that I'm doing acting. Like no way I'm not interested. But now I'm very interested in it, more interested in acting. That would be mm-hmm. hard for me to hear at 21. You know what I mean? Because I was at a different place. Yeah. It's okay, man. It's all part of your journey, right? So, I, I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, you, you make a decision, make it once for the right reasons, and then your next decision, if it means letting go of a decision you already made, then make that decision. But yeah. understand that sometimes the decision is done. You know, like sometimes you're done with that portion of your life. Yeah. And it's like, and it just requires you to be making a conscious decision about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, because you know, your life, you know, the universe, whatever you want to say is going to give you signs. Something suddenly starts becoming so painful for you to do something that you're doing becomes so freaking painful. And it's like, yeah, make a change, make a change, make a change, make a change. And usually it requires you to get down. Like, cause what happens when you get 
down to such a, a horrible point. You're forced to face something, mm-hmm. you know, and usually let something go. He's like, holy shit, I've been trying to do this all this time. And I realized I didn't even want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm done with this. Right. And I've been, I've been trying to force something. I've been trying to put the, the square peg into the round hole right. for the last, you know, couple of years. So the whole idea is, I don't know if, if we ever stop going through that process, but I think we become more aware of that process happening and we start to embrace it a little bit more. It's like, oh, okay, you know what? This thing not enjoying this so much anymore. What's that all about? Hmm. And you go, Oh, okay. And like, and you, and you kind of can speed up the process a little bit. And that requires a sort of a willingness for change, right? That this is going to be something that's going to happen. You don't necessarily need to know exactly why it's happening, you know, like all, but just understanding that it is happening. Right right? That, that's all you really have to know. And you go, Oh, okay. Like there's no need to sometimes overthink this shit either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you don't like doing it anymore, then stop doing it. Right. You know, or if you know, there are certain things that you have in place, like I'm not saying like go and hand, hand in your resignation at your job tomorrow, unless that feels like actually the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you are at a place and it is just so painful that like you just can't even bring yourself out of bed to, you know, get up to that job every day. It's like, you know what, maybe you're at a point where you just need to throw it down. You need to just like take a leap. Yeah. Right. But maybe you're somebody like, you know, this client of yours, you know, it's like, who's been, who's been, uh, working as a financial, as a financial planner and advisor who suddenly just like, you know what, they're not, they're not changing, changing their job today. No, but guess what? They're making one more decision out of love Mm -hmm. than they had the day before. Mm -hmm. You know, they were making a lot of decisions based or they had made a decision out of fear. Yeah. Or were refusing to make a decision out of fear. Yeah. And then one day they said, it's like, you know what? I want to do this. So I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to find a way. It's like, it's not a massive thing. I mean, it isn't, it isn't, you know, it's like, but it's, it's still huge. You know, like you're still making a decision. Like this is something I wanted to do. And I've been putting it off out of fear and you know what? I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to just incorporate this more into your life. You know, like find ways that you can, you can in, make more love decisions in your life. You right. know, like, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to completely change everything. You know, but like yeah. y- you just get the ball rolling get yourself heading in the, in, in the direction of, of what you love. I agree, man. You know, actually that, that client, he's an interesting guy too, because, um, he, you know, we, we talked and he wanted to work with me on a one-on-one, you know, and do like a kind of a specific tailored program. And, um, it's very expensive when people work with me one-on-one, you know, cause obviously my time's limited. I have my own career and all of that. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we did our consultation call. I said, okay, you know what? Like I will work with you. I think you got, you know, you're bringing the right stuff to the table. Here's what it costs, whatever. And he goes, okay. He's like, I definitely want to do it. He's like, I just don't know. And he's kind of telling me some of his financial things and stuff. And I said, okay, well, um, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I know you pretty well. So why don't you take a couple days and, and think about it and then you can get back to me and let me know what you think. And, and after a couple days passed, right. I was like, um, or, or I think, I think I gave him three days, which I usually people usually sign up on the call or they don't, you know, yeah. when, we, when we get to that point. And if they don't, it's fine. We just part ways. And, and, and no matter what, like, I'm like, 
um, you'll be better off because I try to help them with the, whenever I connect with a client yeah. for free in the beginning anyway. I don't really yeah. care. But if we're going to do a tailored program, I'm going to invest a lot of time and energy. Anyway, so a couple days passed and I was talking to a friend about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I connected with this new potential client and um, this is kind of what he's going through. And they said, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, honestly, I, I kind of don't think that he'll, he'll, I might not even call you back, but I kind of don't think he'll sign up. I kind of have that feeling, you know, because Mm -hmm. usually not, I don't know, but I said, usually when people kind of have to think about it, they're not ready in their life to make a big decision. Yeah. Well, he calls me or messaged me or whatever the next couple days. And he's like, I don't know what I was thinking. He's like, I'm in for sure. He's like, I was making a decision out of fear and out of scarcity. And he's like, I want to do this. And I know you're fucking awesome. And he's like, let's just fucking do it. And I'm like, awesome, man. And I thought, I'm so glad that you came to that decision and came to that point. And you know, that's why I didn't want to, I didn't want you to feel pressured on, on when we talked about it. And he was like, yeah, thanks for that. You know, um, it just, I just realized, yeah, I need to make this decision because I know it's what I want to do. And I was like, that's awesome, man. I mean, that's the place you want to come from. But it kind of showed me that like, you know, that really made me want to work with him because I'm like, okay, well you're in, you're ready to do it. You're ready to take action. You're ready to, yeah. cause the thing is, is like at the end of the day, when someone works with me, you know, I'm not going to write their script for them. I'm going to teach them how to write a script, but if they're not even going to sit down and be committed and like, you know, if they're not going to be in that mindset, then I'm like, there's no point in us working together. Go read a book, you know, go read a book and read enough books until, you know, you bang your head against the wall or find someone else that's more your fit. But when you're ready to get some real action done and you want to write a script in like a month, then come talk to me. You want it to be good and you want it to be industry standard. Then come talk to me when you're ready for that. And the thing is, is like, some people are ready and some people aren't. It just depends where you are. But you have to sometimes make an investment. And sometimes your investment is quitting your job. That's your risk. But you have to take a risk to go for what you want a lot of the time. You know, you have to you have to you have to put yourself out there somewhere. You know, you want to you, you like somebody, you want to go on a date with them, you're gonna have to go out and ask them out. Yeah. You're gonna have to get their attention. You're gonna have to risk being embarrassed or being rejected or whatever you think is going on. At some point, if you want to be and live the life you want, you're going to have to put yourself out there. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like I said earlier, growth is pain. Yeah. Growth leads to all the stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I love that one Alan Watts talk to, I just want to say this because I think it compliments this quite well. He said, you know, we should never do personal growth just for the sake of personal growth. We should, you know, and, and I absolutely 100% agree with that you will grow by what you're interested in. If you're trying to just improve for the sake of improving, all that actually does is do two problems. One, it tells you you're not good enough and you need to fix yourself because you're not good enough. So you need to improve. The other thing is it it does is that you actually create more problems a lot of the time because by improving yourself and changing who you are, you, you actually suppress your interest. So you should only grow by being interested in something. That's why I love when people write a script or make a film or something, because when you go out and make a film, you're going to face the elements. You're going to have to deal with people. You have to be creative. You're going to face your own fears. You grow a tremendous amount without even realizing it because you're facing yeah. all this stuff, but you're not trying to do that. Yeah. And I, and I always like, you know, the 21 year old I'm working with, right. I, I told her, I'm like, she's like, well, I want to do this and I need to get better here. I'm like, well, listen, 
let's just go and do this thing. You're going to get better by default because this is what you're going to face and you'll get better at that. And as we go through it, we'll work it, but don't do it. Like you're great right now. What you're doing, your excitement, your passion, it's awesome. You don't need to change that or fix that. You just need to adapt yourself to what you're interested in and you'll get feedback from the world. Like you don't want me to come in and be like, look, I'm I'm God and I can tell you who the person you need to be is like, don't give me that authority. Let, let your interaction with the world and your interests give you that authority. Yeah. No one should tell you if you're good enough or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember, uh, an an acting teacher of ours, Ted, Ted Whittle. Yeah. I remember him saying to the class one time, he said, like, he said, anybody who tells you that, that they, they they can make you a star, like any, cause he was talking with teachers. He's like, anyone says they can make you a star. Like they can't, they can't because he's like, if they could, they, they'd have done it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so it's like, let's get to the things that like we, we, we can do. And, and and that was one of the things I admired about Tad was that he was really interested in, in people getting in touch with themselves as, as artists in some, in some way. Uh, because like everything, everything else will fall into place. It's, it's, uh, and, and I always say that it's like, at, like, especially with actors, I'm like, the biggest problem isn't a technical one. It's a human one. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing for just about any other art. The biggest problem that, that artists face is a human one. Yeah. You know, and, and that's dealing with our, our egos. That's dealing with our fears. That's, and it's just that when you get into art, it becomes a very volatile ground, you know, it becomes right. a very, um, the dualities that exist in art are so are, are almost kind of, um, just blown up onto display. Are you being true or are you being false? Mm. You know, are you saying something honest or are you being dishonest? Mm-hmm. You know, is this bullshit or is this real? Are you connecting or are you just, you know, talking out of your ass? Right. Right. Like it's just, it's out there to be seen and heard and whatever. And so it, it, yeah, it becomes like a very kind of like, it's a very crazy kind of place to be in, but Mm -hmm. it's also extraordinarily rewarding because it is, it's this almost this constant pursuit of, of truth in what you're doing, you know? And, uh, and it's about getting honest with yourself and, and where you sort of connect with something and sometimes not always questioning it. Like with, like something like acting, you know, like you can be, I, and this was where, when I start to lose my joy of acting was that I got to a place where I was just so, um, technically approaching what I was doing. Um, you know, I was, the moment I was looking at a scene and and working on a part, I was immediately trying to break it down into its components. Hmm. Right which is totally fucked. Like you're, you're like when you're in your first like read throughs and that's what you're doing, you're fucked. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, or if you catch yourself doing it, take a step back and just read it, like go through it. And how does it hit you on a gut level? Mm. You know, because there are things that like when I know I've done my best work, 
And the things that have helped me to connect to a part on a personal level that I, that I was passionate, I cared about, there was like, there was love that I felt in doing this part mm. was that it was shit that has had absolutely nothing to do with, with technically what I was doing. It was just weird, sort of like a line gave me this weird kind of an impression or an image, you know, and I would work with that in some way. And to anybody else, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like that's like, it seems completely meaningless. Like there's like who, like it, it's because it's only, it only affects me mm. in some way. And in a way that I'm, I don't even totally I don't even understand why on yeah. a logical level, but I'm just like, I don't know. For some reason, I like literally working on a part. I, I had, um, like the image of like a black crow yeah. in my head. And I don't know why, I don't know why that helped me connect to the part, but it was just like, there was, it was just this stupid thing, hmm. you know? And, and that's, that's where I think you, you work as an, as an artist is, is in these impressions and the, these intuitions. And that's how you actually bring yourself into it is in a way that's a little bit kind of mysterious Mm -hmm. and requires you to trust in, in just whatever's happening. And then, you know, the, the technique comes in, you can, and it helps to kind of clean it up a little bit. You know, that's really all it does. It just kind of helps make things kind of orderly, helps you to kind of communicate it maybe a little bit better than just kind of like spewing it all out there. Mm -hmm. Right. But sometimes there's time for spew, you know, like it's the mess in the math as we also talk about as well. Right. But, well, I think, you know, I mean, I, I agree. I, I agree. And I have found some value from the organizational, like picking it apart, breaking it down model as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, it's kind of one of those things, it, it really, especially with acting, like, and I guess with, with any real type of art and music and painting and whatever, you need a little bit of the mess and you need a little bit of the math, but you need kind of equal, you know, it's that balance. You kind of need, yeah. little, and, and also every piece has different demands, you know, but I think, um, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I get, I get that thing, what you mean when you mention the crow thing, like you get this image, like, you know, um, for me, like sometimes, you know, what will happen is like as as a director is I won't see the story. I'll see light. Mm. I'll just see darkness or I'll see light or I'll see, you know, light in different, sharper tones or lighter tones. And, and for me, um, it, a lot of the way I interpret a film is through lighting and it's a cinematography brain a little bit, but it's like the lighting tells me the story and through the lighting, I feel the story. And so through that, um, you know, it tells me a lot of what I need to know. Now, if I tried to go, well, I'm seeing hard shadows here and I'm like, that's not going to help. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that feeling that the light gives me is part of what informs the math of trying to understand it because the, you know, um, I, you know, I studied a bit of English. I mean, I studied a lot of philosophy and stuff, but I studied a bit of like, you know, literature and whatnot. And, um, they teach you a lot about, and, and actually marketing and, 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 uh, you know, propaganda messages, all this shit. Right. But basically a lot of what you learn in, in, in a lot of these are understanding what's being said between the lines, you know, what's being said underneath the text, you know, what's coming through it. And I think, you know, the math in many ways is the text itself, but the mess is the underlying assumptions, the, the things that you can dig in that you can find that, um, 
maybe the writer put in, but maybe the writer didn't even know they put in because they didn't even understand their own psychology, but you saw something in their psychology Mm -hmm. out of their writing. And so I think when, you know, really great actors come along and really great directors and, and writers and stuff, even they come along, but they see, they see what is beneath the text. And that's what makes it kind of spectacular because mm-hmm. if you take an actor who can just do the text really well, I mean, you'll get a certain thing and, and it could be really good. They might be technically great, but if you can get someone who can find something beneath it, that's really cool. That's that special thing. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if you found two people who both found something beneath it, chances are they, they might find some of the same things, but they'd also find some different things each because they both come from different life experiences. Yeah. And both of those can be magnificent. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that is, that's that rare thing. And that's really where, where we want to start looking. We want to start looking beneath. And I think, imagine if we looked at ourselves that way, because like, you know, there's, I'm sure there's lots of people listening and, you know, they're a filmmaker, they're a writer, they're an actor, they're a musician, they're an artist, whatever of some sort. And they identify that way. Well, what if you read, what are beneath the lines of artist? What are beneath the lines of actor? That's what's interesting about you. Mm-hmm. Not actor. Actor's the word on the page. That's, that's, everybody can see that, but that's not what you are. That's the word. Any idiot can see that you are an actor because you go to auditions and you have headshots. Yeah. But listen, what are you beneath actor? That's what we want to know. That's what we're looking for. Now bring that to the audition. Don't bring, I'm an actor to the audition, but you don't even know what that is yet. And that's okay. But start looking there, you know? And the thing is, is you're going to dig and you're going to find, you're going to get deeper. You're going to think you're at the bottom and the bottom's going to break through. And then you're going to find that there's a whole nother thing to dig into. And you're going to hit the bottom of that and you're going to break through and you're going to get layers and layers of depth deeper than you are. Because here's the thing. And I'll tell you why I know this to be true. I don't claim to know a lot, but this is one thing I know to be true. And the reason why I know this to be true is because at a very young age, you were categorized and identified through the education system, through society, and then through work and so forth. And people started telling you who you are and labeled you. And, and you, you picked a social group or a social group picked you. And through all of this became your surface image. Yeah. And so it's very, very hard for us to dig deeper than our surface image because we have a world that's actually set up to reinforce that kind of crusty yeah. kind of core, like, you know? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's funny. Cause you'd mentioned Alan Watts. I just listened to a great Alan Watts talk earlier today mm. and just touching a little bit on, uh, what you were, you were just saying and, and it's, you know, labels or as he was kind of putting in an abstraction, It's like we, and, and what he was saying is that we think in abstractions and that's like, you know, you put, you put a label on something, you put a tell. And then once you've done that, you stop, we kind of do this thing where we just stop actually looking at it Hmm. anymore. It's just like, Oh, okay. You're an actor. You've been labeled. And I just, and now I've stopped looking any further Hmm. and it's kind of like, and so he, what he did as a, as an example is he, is he drew like a stick man. You know, he's like something we're all familiar with. He's like, this is an abstraction. We look at this character of a stick man. We go, oh, well, that's a representation of a man. Right. But that's not, a, that, that's, that's not the, not an, at all an accurate representation of what a, what a man is or right. a woman is, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just a symbol. It's an abstraction for us to communicate something quickly. Right. But it's does not n- nearly con- like, uh, it does not 
encompass the entire um, existence and being of a man. You know, like it's, it's just a very simplified thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, it is interesting. I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, there's, there's self-awareness and kind of knowledge and having depth and, and, and all of that. And, you know, if you want to just get out of a conversation, just tell people you're an actor <laughs> in two ways. Cause one, cause you know, there's so many actors out there, you know, yeah. you're an actor. Okay, great. But the thing is, is like, um, tell them you're an actor. It's the, the briefest, quickest way for them to figure out who you are. I mean, the stick man, you know, uh, is the symbol for the washroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, good. The men's washroom, women's washroom. I know where it is because someone put a triangle over her crotch. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the thing is, is like, I mean, basically that's, you know, that's basically what, uh, you know, that's basically quick, right? So the thing is, is that if you want to open up a conversation with someone, if you want to start to dig in and open up the conversation with yourself to yourself, then actually dig in and don't just label yourself. Cause the label is like, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor and I'm done. Yeah. But you're not, you're not. And you don't act for the same reasons as everybody else. Although it may appear that way, you don't. Um, and you might act for similar reasons to other people, but I guarantee that you if you really started to ask people why they act and you started to get honest answers and you started to actually look beyond their bullshit, you would start to find out that people are doing a lot of the same stuff for very, very different reasons because they're very, very different people. And those reasons are what was interesting. You know, you know, that, that whole world behind the action is what's interesting. You know, I mean, that is acting the whole world behind the action, isn't it? But if you just call yourself an actor, all you're focusing on is the action itself, not the world behind the action. Mm -hmm. So, you know, actors out there, artists out there, whoever out there, take the world behind you, you know, that, that backs up whatever this is and look at that and investigate into that and find what that is. And you know what, you might dig into it and you might find out that, you know, um, you're not an actor and acting isn't for you and acting isn't in your interest. And maybe that's a scary thing. You know, um, I know it would have been for me early on in my life, but mm. the thing is, is these are the things that you want to do because ultimately I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to, you're going to be a lot more joyful, a lot more happy and you're a lot more clear and you're going to be able to kind of flourish in the way you want. Now I'm not trying to talk anybody out of acting. I'm, I'm saying, go act. If you love acting, yeah. go do it, but don't do it because you feel you have to, or cause you're scared. You know, that's just not, you know, it's not good for you. It's not really good for anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's plenty of people doing that that way. And there's plenty of people. I mean, if you ever go down to Los Angeles, just walk around, you know, it's Boulevard of broken dreams. I'll tell you that. Like yeah. there's so many people, who are heartbroken because their acting careers are not working out the way they had dreamed. And, um, the sad thing about it is that, um, you know, there are people who just kind of did it for the quick, uh, get rich quick scheme and, you know, whatever that's that, you know, they're lottery players. They're not really actors. They're just there. They're going to do the next thing. Like for them, whatever, it didn't work out. They'll move on. But there's people who really did love acting and they went in, but they're, Um, they, I just think that their challenge is more that they don't have good mentorship and they don't have the education and kind of, um, guidance that they need to really figure out how to flourish because I believe they could, but you know, they've also walked into a system that, you know, there isn't, 
it's a little bit crabs in the bucket, you know, and it's not always, people aren't always helping each other up. They're more pulling each other down. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, side note, just on all of this topic, if you're around people that are pulling you down, just get away from them, change, move, new crowd, new people, you know, and sometimes doing something else is exactly what you need to do. Cause it will get you the support group you need so that when you go back to acting, you won't be around a bunch of other people that are trying to pull you down. You'll be around this really great support group that encourages you to be an actor that supports you and is there for you emotionally and intellectually and all of that. Whereas, you know, you won't have someone who, you know, is secretly sabotaging you because they're really jealous of your success, which (laughs) by the way happens. And you know what? Part of it is you have to be willing to change. And the people who are your real friends, who are your real people, they will want to go with you. I have had friends. I have one friend since I was 16. We just talked today. Um, and you know, it's been a few months or whatever, and, and we haven't really hung out, but we've been friends since we we're 16. He's most, one of the most solid guys I know. And we've evolved together. We grow together, no matter what's happened, no matter who's dropped away, we, we keep staying friends. And he's just like a real accountable dude. I'm just really lucky to have him. He's one of my oldest friends, you know, other people who when I was, you know, then and younger, they're not in my life anymore. And they may never be again. in in all likelihood they won't. But the thing is, is that you have to move, you have to be willing to move away from these people. And I'll tell you another thing. I just want to call to action to people. Go look at people who have done great things. Go read their biographies, their autobiographies, Mm -hmm. go read them. And you know what? I bet a lot of them are going to share with you that there were a lot of friends along the way that are not friends anymore. And they're going to share their betrayals that they experienced that, you know, how someone stole from them, how this person had a drug habit and like used them and manipulated them and let them down. You're going to, you're going to find out about this stuff. But the thing is, is that what made them able to write an autobiography or, 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 or whatever, or have a biography written about them. What, what allowed that is they were willing to change and let go. They were willing to do something different than they were doing, which allowed them to move, evolve and grow. And the people who don't literally, you will, you will, you will rot in your comfort zone. You will rot and die in your comfort zone. And I want to give you those words because they're visceral. If you are unwilling to change, you are rotting and dying. You literally are rotting and dying. And if you're in a toxic relationship, toxic friendship, if your parents are toxic, you got to move away for a little bit of time so that you can come back with some better perspective because you're in the shit right now. You're literally in shit. And until you get out of that, you're not, you're going to stink like it. You're not going to know what, what it's like and what's possible outside of it. I don't mean to be dramatic, but this is important. You know, it makes you think of, uh, you know, the monkey trap. The monkey trap. Yeah. You know, that's an analogy we haven't brought up in a long time, but so the monkey trap is, you want to explain it? Sure. Yeah. I'll yeah. explain it. Like, so there, this was a thing that was actually, it was a study or something that was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's taken on other sort of connotations as we are now using it. Um, but there was like a box as I understand it. Um, there's like this box that had food like inside of it and they had to present to these monkeys and it has a slot in the box. So the monkeys could get their hands inside the box, but then they would grab the food that was inside the box. And then when they would try and pull their hands out, because now it's a fist, they couldn't get their hand out of the box. And the thing is, is that the monkey will just 
sit there and die or something will come They'll and catch it yeah. and something will catch it. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Cause it was a hunting trap. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, It was a hunting trap. That's right. Okay. I knew there, I'm like, there's some morbid. Sort yeah. Of thing and it to won't this. let go of the food and be, and while it has a fist, it can't get its hand back out. But if it just let it go, it would be free. It would be free. And this is the thing. People are hanging on to stuff and they're caught in a monkey trap and you got to let it go. So you can be free. Yeah. And sometimes the thing is, is you, you think like, well, if I let go of the food, you don't have the food. If you're in the monkey trap, you don't have the food. The food has you. Yeah. That's the thing that, that's the thing that you have to realize this thing that you're not willing to let go. It has you, it owns you, yeah. not the other way around. It's like go and find food somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Yeah. It's a bit more of a complex monkey trap, but we, we put ourselves into these sort of situations. Yeah, we, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, um, you know, uh, I think the thing is, is that if you want to also, um, you know, I, I don't think, I, I think also like before you just say, I'm walking away from something too, I just want to say one little caveat, have a talk with that person. Just say, look, you know, if, if you can have a talk with them and they're, and they're, then just walk away. But if you can dare to have a talk with them and say, hey, look, I don't like the way you're talking to me, treating with me, dealing with me, whatever. This is what I don't like about what's going on here. Um, this is what I would like. Are, can, are we cool with that? Can we start doing that? Yes. No. Okay. No, I'm walking away. Yes. Okay, great. Let's work with it. Um, if they don't do it, you can either walk away right there and say, fine, you're not, I, we had this talk. You're not doing it. I'm out. Or you can say, look, this is happening again. What's going to happen here. You can change it or not. And you can go, Oh, you're being a wimp. You're being a wussy or whatever. Okay. I'm out. I'm out. Don't care. It's done. You know, the thing is you got to be a little bit and, and people, it's your life. You got to be a little bit lethal and it's, it's hard with friends. It's even harder with family, but you got to be in, willing to walk away, you know, because the thing is, is that if you're not willing to walk away, that doesn't mean forever, but it might mean, it might mean days. It might mean weeks, months, years, decades, but you got to be willing to walk away. And you know what? The thing is, is when you remove yourself from someone's life, especially after you've talked to them and told them the problem, that's important. They will tend to think about that and it will help them correct their behavior. And if they won't, well, then, you know, you made the right move, but what's the, what's the, what's the alternative? You get stuck with that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation. I mean, if there's toxic people in your life, then I mean, it, it can warrant having, having a conversation with somebody and trying to create an understanding, you know, it, it's not about being an asshole about the, about the whole thing or just like being for me, like, I don't think it's like you're in or you're out, but it's about trying to find a connection where maybe one is missing an understanding where maybe there's misunderstanding. Hmm. And if somebody's toxic, then it's, you know, walking away doesn't have to be like a, like a, a nasty, like, okay, well, fuck you then, you know, I'm, I'm separating on my way. It's like, okay, cool. You know what? Like, I respect your decision, you know, for whatever, because the thing is, is that I, I don't necessarily think it's, we want to have a conversation with somebody, but I, to demand somebody change something is not, is that can be a precarious ground to walk on as well, because you bring up a good point because change for what, like, do, do they need to change or you just want them to change for you? You know, like you bring up a really good point, you know, like it it can get a little bit sticky and a little bit hairy. So it's just like, you know, if there's certainly something, 
something that you're feeling in a relationship with somebody like then you can communicate how you're feeling and and come in with a sense of you know say with any sort of point of conflict with somebody first step is to not assume bad intent yes you know like so don't assume this person is an asshole who's just trying to i don't know uh, tear you down or manipulate you or, or whatever it is, you know, it's like, assume that they don't have a bad intention, but come forth with, you know, your thoughts and how you feel about something that's going on. It could be something that they're totally unaware of that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And usually it is, it's, it's, um, usually people aren't being malicious. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. Yeah. Um, but more often people are just in their own world. You know, people are just, they just don't know. They don't realize, um, the, the, the consequences of their actions or Mm. their behaviors, right. You know, like, uh, and, and I think that's just a a human, that's a human thing and you have to allow room for people to be human. You give, you give room for other people to be human. You actually give yourself room to do that as well and to make some mistakes and to be like, Oh shit. Like I didn't see something that way. I didn't realize that. And then, and then there's a real opportunity for, um, for new perspectives to, to take hold and, and for two people to grow. Right. You know, but you know, there are occasions when I think you do need to just walk away from somebody. And, and I think that those are usually less often, but that can be a very, that's a very empowering thing to do. And again, you don't have to do it in, a, in, in a way that's like, being rude, even if somebody else is being rude to you, right. you just be like, okay, like I understand this is, this is where it's at, you know, yeah, all the best, take care. And that's it. You know, you walk away from that, you know, it's not your responsibility to fix somebody or save somebody or get somebody to, to change something about themselves. You know, you've got to also trust just like you've got to trust your own self and, and sort of the path that you're on and your experience of life, you have to trust in somebody else's experience of life mm-hmm. at times too. And just be like, all right, you know, you have to make your decisions and, and you're going to learn whatever you need to learn, you know, and it's not necessarily up to me to tell you, you need to change this. Well, and, and I want to say a couple of things too about this. Cause you bring up a really good point is about the empathy side of it. I think have, have some empathy, like really consider that if your friend was letting you go, how would you want them to do it? If they were thinking about it, would you want them to talk to you and how would you want them to talk to you? In which way would you want them to bring it up to you? Just try and consider it from their perspective. Definitely don't assume malicious intent. Although some people might have it, if you know, you and you, and the thing is, is it, if, you know, I'm going to say another thing in a moment, which might help you discern that a little bit more, but, um, for the most part, I don't think people do, although some people do, but don't fear it. If people do, that's, that's more an issue of them than anything. But I think the thing is, is when you want to, when you're thinking someone's toxic for you, you know, um, it depends how willing you are to be honest and open with them and what your relationship is. But, you know, um, the best thing you can do is tell them that they're hurting you and how they're hurting you. Like if you're just like, I don't like how you do this thing. Cause it's annoying to me. That's, that's not, that's not grounds yeah. for leaving them. Like grounds for leaving them is they're doing something that's actually hurting you. And you need to express to them. You say this thing, like you say to me that, you know, um, 
you know, you call me this or you say that to me or you say this thing about what I'm doing and that hurts my feelings, yeah. you know? And so you tell them that and you go like, um, like, and, and usually if I, if I've told anybody something like that, usually they say, really? Like, Oh shit. Like I didn't mean to do that at all. Like, yeah. Holy crap. They're like, no, I was just joking around. I'm like, well, could you not? Because when you joke around about it, it actually kind of gets to me. And like, mm-hmm. I thought maybe you didn't mean to, that's why I wanted to bring it up. But can you just be mindful not to do that? And they're like, yeah, cool. Okay. If they're like, Oh, you're just a wimp. Like you can't handle it. Like, okay, we're not cool. You're not getting it. Cause this is hurting me. And you know what? Like if you're getting, that's how you're going to respond to me. That's not cool. But my friend Megan, who sometimes tunes into the podcast here, she has a rule with her, um, you know, with her, basically her, her elementary school yeah. kids. And, um, the rule is, uh, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else. And don't break my shit. <laughs> Three yeah. rules. And I think there's a great rules for life. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else. And don't break anybody else's shit. As long as you're not doing those things, you're doing pretty good. And if anybody is hurting you or breaking your shit, then there's a problem, but that's a real problem. Not like you didn't like my Facebook posts, like fuck off. You know what I mean? Like that's like, that's not a real issue. You know what I mean? But you, I loaned you, I loaned you my PlayStation and you, 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 broke it when you returned it. That's a problem. Cause mm-hmm. it was my thing and you're not replacing it and you're, and you're acting. No, that's a problem. Yeah. Right. So the thing is, is like you figure out w- where you stand. And I want to say one other thing, you reap what you sow. Mm. If yeah. you, if you borrow people's money and then don't return it or pay them back, or you break people's shit and don't return it at the same quality that you got it at or better, you know, if you do this stuff, that is the world you walk into. That's the world you live in. You are the asshole that people need to kick out. Yeah. So pay your debts and treat people's stuff with the utmost respect and treat their health and their well being with the utmost respect. You know what? As far as you hurting yourself, I say, don't hurt yourself. But if there's one person you can hurt, it's yourself and you're probably going to do it anyway. So get better at that. But there's no reason to hurt anybody else or break anybody mm-hmm. else's shit. You know what I mean? The only thing at this point in the world that we should be working on, in my opinion, is we should, the, the, we should stop hurting ourselves, which we're all doing in a lot of ways, but we have no reason to hurt each other or break each other's shit. The, the world is plentiful. It's abundant. We have all the stuff we'd ever need. You know, don't borrow money. If you're not going to return it, set a date, you know, be diligent about it. Because the thing is, is that, you, you know, and don't, don't hurt anybody emotionally, physically, intellectually, don't do it. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is that you can't hold people to a standard if you're doing it yourself mm-hmm. and you go, well, all my friends do it change. And you know what? Your change will start to tell you if you want, want to be friends with those people anymore. But you know, you might go to a friend and you're kind of an asshole to them and they're kind of an asshole to you. And you tell them not to be an asshole to you. You have to also say, I'm going to stop being an asshole to you. Cause this is how I've been an asshole to you. Yeah. You, you start with that. You don't tell them to change first. You say, listen, I'm going to change. Cause I realized that, you know, we make fun of each other a lot and I don't want to do that anymore. Cause it's, it's hurting my feelings when you do it. And I don't want to hurt your feelings. So listen, I'm going to stop making fun of you. I want you to stop making fun of me, but I know I've been wrong to do it. I'm, I want to stop. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. They might say, well, no, whatever. Just say, look, I realize I'm doing it too. I don't think it's good. And I, and, and I think we should both stop. And you know what? Your friend might be on board with that. And that's part of maturity and growing up. 
and your whatever relationship, you know, say you go to your significant other and you go, you know what? I noticed we fight a lot about, you know, the bills or, or, or being late or not showing up or not being there for each other. I realize I'm doing it too. So let's both mindfully stop. Are you cool with that? And they will, if you do it with them. But like when people try to get someone to change and they're not willing to change themselves, that's a problem. Cause like I said, in the earlier part of this conversation, change, it's change. Yeah. And sometimes it means you got to change. And sometimes it means you need to change the way you're being, not just who you have in your life. So you can't blame everybody else for your problems. Well, you can, yeah. but you'll have a, a terrible experience of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this has been a great fucking talk, man. Yeah, dude. I'm really enjoying it. How are you liking this beer? Oh, it's been going down so good. Yeah. You seem to like the first so sip. Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a real nice, um, Nice, easy to drink. I want to say, uh, like a pale ale, okay. per- perhaps an IPA. Like, I don't know if it's a full on IPA. Cause like, it's pretty, it's not like super crazy hot, but it's got a little bit in there. So I'm saying it's pale ale IPA of some, some kind, maybe an ESB. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I like it. You like I it. I like okay. it. It's, it's refreshing. It's tasty. Um, Yeah. India session, Belgian ale. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even like name one of those things. There's a lot going on there uh, in that. It's called India session, Belgian ale. Wow. That is, they're like fusing some different beer styles in that, in that guy. Mm -hmm. So this is a yellow dog brewing. We've, uh, we've had them before and they, they always have funny names for this. This one's called sit and stay. (laughs) <laughs> they always name them. They always name their beers after some type of thing that references like dogs and whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's really good. You know, um, it's the orange can for people who are interested. They're in Port Moody, this brewery. Uh, they got all their beers. I've really been enjoying. I don't think I've ever had a bad one from them. No, it's really good. And this is only 4% alcohol. Um, you know, so it's, it's easy on the, on the drinking and, yeah. uh, and it's tasty, you know? Yeah. You want a little more? Sure. I'll take a little, uh, Ooh. I'll take a little splash. Um, well, what do you say? We, um, well, yeah, I mean, let's, so let's, okay, let's kind of recap quickly what we've gone over. Cause we talked about change and we've talked about, you know, um, basically like how to, you know, I think what we got to there at the end was you talked a little bit about, okay, you need to make changes. You need to make decisions in your own life, but also you need to be willing to, I think it was a key point that you need to be willing to change yourself mm-hmm. and not expect people to change just to satisfy your needs yeah. to, you know, because you need to also be willing to change with them. If you're truly the friend and you're truly the partner, you want to be with that person. Sometimes you're doing the bad behavior too, and you need to correct the bad behavior yeah. with them and be the leader. And also I think in this conversation where truth also came into play is, yeah. was about, um, getting, getting in touch with, with the truth that you are experiencing in your own life, the truth of your own circumstances, wherever you are, the truth of your own, um, emotions of what, what's happening with you, um, so that you can make changes, hmm. you know, because those are sort of your guideposts. Yeah. Cause honesty right? comes before, like, probably before any change really. Yeah, exactly. And, and with, um, with honesty, um, and authenticity, you are making, you are moving into that direction of decisions in, in love as opposed to fear. 
that was another big part of this conversation for me that I thought was, was how, how we're making our, our decisions and, you know, sort of what's, what circle do they fit in as far as Mm. their sort of energy in our, in our lives. And, uh, I think that's, that's huge for us as, as artists. I think that's, that's absolutely massive for us to be making conscientious, authentic, authentic. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> authentic, <laughs> um, authentic decisions, um, for creating change mm-hmm. in our lives, you know, like authentic it, decisions for creating change. I yeah. really like that. It's almost like a title of this one. Yeah. You know what you've helped me with today? Cause you brought up the whole love and fear thing about decisions. And I realized that's the biggest change that I've made recently is that I've been making decisions out of love and not fear. Because for a while there, especially with the business thing and just not being willing to just go for it and go do it, I was kind of, I had all sorts of little fears. And I think this is going to be my takeaway, you know, is my takeaway from this podcast is what I'm going to go do in my life is I'm going to go reevaluate all these decisions I want to make, going to travel, making these films, uh, launching my business, you know, uh, just connecting with more clients, doing whatever I want to do here. And I'm going to start looking at like, where's the fear and and where's the love in this decision. And then I'm going to start to, um, figure out where the decisions with the love are so that I can go start making those. And I think that, um, I'm definitely willing right now, but there might be things that I haven't like looked at and questioned whether I'm scared of it and I'm kind of being reactive to it. And, um, instead of responsive to it. Cause that's mm-hmm. another thing too. I think love is a response, whereas fear is a reaction and it's more important that you respond. In fact, our, our mutual friend Shane taught me a lesson the other day. We were out at this waterfall and we're sitting up and we're probably about, I want to say 40 or 50 feet up in the air over this yeah. beautiful waterfall on the edge of this cliff, hanging over this essentially a cave of a waterfall. And we're sitting there and he pulls out some money from his wallet and he takes a $5 bill and he's explaining to me about wealth. It's like almost this guru moment. It was fucking hilarious, but it was epic in the sense that he took the money and he said, this is $5 bill. And he's kind of explaining how money works and stuff, which is all this great stuff I didn't know. And he said, you know what? And it's, and he threw it off the cliff and he said, it's dead to me. And the, and the $5 bill floats off this cliff, but it kind of comes back and it's about, a few feet away from me and I could still reach it cause it didn't actually fall down. And I looked yeah. and I'm like, do you, are you really just throwing that away? And he's like, and, and I like kind of reached almost to stop him from throwing it off the cliff. Right. Yeah. And then I, and then I said, um, I said, you're going to leave that there. He's like, yeah, it's dead to me. And I was like, I could still reach it. And he's like, and he's like, okay. And he's like, well, if I reached it and gave it back to you, we take, it. he's like, no, it's dead to me. And I'm like, all right. And he's like, do you see though, how you reacted to $5? Do you see how you reacted to that and your Mm. fear and all the stuff that came up and the fact that you're thinking about reaching over there and risking your life and falling off this 50 foot cliff to grab $5 is your life worth $5 that you'd risk it on the edge of this. And I thought, well, no, of course not. He said, this is how people are functioning right now. $5. And we'd risk our life for that. Yeah that's how, then that's how we react all the time. And, he, and I thought I, I thanked him because I thought, wow, you really, you've given me a profound, profound lesson because I, I chase this little thing 
like it's so important and I react to it. Like it's so meaningful. And, yeah. I'm, and, and I'm not, and, and, that, and, and, and he was kind of teaching me a little bit about how, like, I was like, you know what? It cost you $5 to teach me that lesson in a profound way. Mm. And I also realized as a teacher and a mentor and a guide that if I demonstrate the willingness to lose a little value in front of my clients or students or whatever proteges, if I'm willing to show that I'm willing to not to let go of something they see as valuable, that they can, they can see that I'm the real deal because I Mm. am. And so he taught me how to actually prove a real lesson to somebody and through action and through real cause and effect and an actual sense of real cost. It's like, and he, and I was like, you know, we were talking a little bit cause I do online school and stuff. And he's like, you know, he's like, I don't necessarily know if I could teach anybody that unless they were right here with me on the edge of this cliff and they, and they could reach that $5 bill. Yeah. And he didn't even, it was, I said, it was a double lesson for me because not only did you throw the money away and I got to see that, but it came back and it gave me a chance to catch it, which taught me another lesson. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, he, he basically taught me to learn to really evaluate if I'm responding or reacting. Mm. And so that was huge because now I look at, I go, okay, well, there's all these little things, you know, I'm scared to lose whatever, like, like, but, but the thing is, is that I'm willing to hang on to this little piece of value and give up a massive amount of value potentially by chasing a little $5 bill, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's kind of, I saw that that's kind of how I'm doing my life a little bit. And I was like, wow, like, I don't want to do my life that way. I don't want to chase a $5 bill, you know? Um, and so the thing is, is that, you know, there's this part of me that's like, well, like, you know, the $5 is going to fall down. People go down there. They'll find the five. Someone's going to find the $5. It'll be great. A great mm-hmm. little find for them. Cause it'll be there at the, at the bottom of the cliff. And it's probably someone found it eventually, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. who cares? But the thing is, is that it really kind of, uh, showed me that. And, and my reaction to try to grab the money almost as he threw it off the cliff, like to kind of go oh, and kind of like almost see if I could reach it in mm-hmm. the floating air. Um, or even consider reaching down the edge of the cliff and risking my life showed me how reactive I was, Mm. you know, even though I didn't grab the money, I left it, you know, and we moved on. Um, and he actually went and he, he kicked the tree and it kind of fell down a bit more. So it was even (laughs) further just to like prove his point. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, um, that's a really interesting thing. So I'm going to start looking at my life kind of in that term you put, like, is it love or fear? Is it a response or a reaction? Mm-hmm. What, am, what am I doing? How am I going about my life? Cause I want to be responding and I want to be doing it out of love. So that's what I'm going to work on taking forward. I'm going to look at, I'm going to start with the bigger decisions I know I want to make right now. And then I'll eventually, I think, put this into a practice into smaller decisions as I go. And I'm just going to, every time I'm about to make a decision, I'm going to just stop. I'm going to ask myself, what's the response and where's the love and what's the fear and what's the reaction. And I'm going to make sure that I make the choice out of response and love and not fear and reaction. That's my takeaway. <laughs> I'm silence. Yeah. I've, I've got nothing. Cause that was, that was kind of my takeaways. Yeah. Like, okay. It was really, yeah. Like how am I being more conscientious of how I'm making decisions or how I'm, um, how I'm, trying to make a decision, you know, like sometimes that's part of it. You know, it's like, it's not just the decision. It's, it's leading up to the decision to making it, you know, where you're going through this, like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, you know, you can really cut through so much of it and say, it's like, well, 
which way does like whatever decision you make, which way does that lead you? Is that love or is that fear? Hmm. You know, like, and it's, you know, and, and maybe it's like, you know, some, cause I, I'm not really a big believer in that. Like things are, are black and white, you know, anyone who usually starts talking too much and like, it's like, it's like this, hmm. it's just like this. I know that I'm talking to somebody who's at least half full of shit. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's because too, too basic. Yeah. So it's too basic. There's nothing is ever like that. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's always kind of a shade mm-hmm. of, of a color or, or a shade of gray, right? Like it's, you know, there's a spectrum. Uh, but you know, by starting to look at things more th- through the filter of, of love and fear, just like, how are you making this decision? You know, it's not necessarily that you make the love decision or the fear decision, but you end up finding another path altogether, hmm. you know, but I'm going to start, yeah, looking at, at it more so in that way. It's just like, what is it, what is actually informing this decision that I'm making right now? And, uh, and, and making a more conscientious shift towards making decisions out of love. So, yeah, I think that's great, man. I think it's, it, you know, it's been a really, it's been really cool because I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen putting this into practice. I really am. Um, cause I actually, in a lot of ways, I feel I've already started to put this very thing into practice. I just didn't necessarily know what I was doing, Yeah. but now I'm more aware of it and it's already, uh, given me amazing results. I mean, I've literally attracted more clients. I, you know, I've, I've, I've accomplished more things. My state has changed. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been incredible and I didn't realize, but really all I, all I've been doing is I've been starting to respond in my life and I've been starting to do things out of love. And yeah. previously part of my challenge was I was kind of doing things out of fear and reaction. I didn't realize it. Like I wasn't walking around going, I'm scared, but I was like, if I look in hindsight and I probably still am, you yeah. know, I'm not going to say like, Oh, I'm, I'm cured now. It's all good. But like, the thing is, is like, I, I think that it's a constant battle you, you, you face for the rest of your life, but you just get in the practice of doing things out of love and response mm-hmm. as, and get out of the practice of doing it out of fear and reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to uh, agree to a large, um, sense as well, like in, in my own life, it's just like I, that I've been kind of un, unconsciously doing that as well you know, making more decisions out of love, you know, like starting to record music, even doing this podcast, like just embracing a greater sense of making decisions out of things that I love and things that I really genuinely want to do. Hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not constantly doing that, you know, still working at it, but more and more, more and more and more and more every single day, you know, making, making more authentic decisions towards love. And, uh, and so much like a lot of like my life has definitely gotten better. You know, there's just a greater, I have a greater sense of, of just, um, I don't know, wonder in, in life and, and less fear about, you know, what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or mm-hmm. next week or whatever. It's just like, well, what am I doing? You know, it's, it's really a, a grounding, um, and, and makes you more present kind of way of, of going about things. So it's, it's interesting. You've just made, you've made me reflect on it too. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's actually like, I'm, we're not just totally talking out of our asses here. People. <laughs> like it's like, I can yeah. see how this has actually been operating in my own life. So, uh, I'm excited to make it a more conscious practice in my life and, and, and keep it rolling. Cool, man. 
Yeah, me too. This is, this has been really good. I feel like I have something I can really work with uh, after this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time, people. The BNA podcast. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.